0: This morning we are reading again from the book of Matthew, continuing on in chapter 16, starting in verse 21 and going to the end of the chapter. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our senses are amazing things. Do you ever consider how we can smell so many different fragrances? Some smells bring us wonderful memories like the smell of Christmas trees or Thanksgiving dinners. How does that happen? Then there's our hearing, being able to hear so many different and wonderful sounds like music, for instance. The anatomy that makes that happen is nothing short of a God given miracle, in my opinion. Then there's the sense of touch. I like being able to touch things, things that are rough, smooth, sandy, silky, and all different textures. Even when I can't see something, I can identify different objects through that sense of touch. It's quite remarkable. Then there's the sense of sight. The eyes are the window to the soul, someone once said, and I believe that's true, but they're also a window for the soul to be refreshed and renewed with the sights of creation, like sunrises and sunsets, waterfalls and rainbows. Even when I close my eyes, if I've seen something like that, I can still see it in my mind's eye. That's pretty amazing to me. And last but not least, there's the sense Jesus mentions in our passage today. His words in the last verse really caught my attention as I read and studied this scripture. He says, truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but this verse is very confusing to me. What does it mean to taste death? Even if that is a thing, what does Jesus mean by it? To taste is to get the flavor of something by putting it in your mouth. And we know it's the tongue's job to help us taste. Tasting something means to eat or drink it in small quantities. I mean, have you ever been in the kitchen with someone while someone was cooking and asked for a taste of something? It usually meant a small spoonful, not the whole dinner plate, right? Now, I know it can also mean having the experience of something, or in former times it could be translated to suffer something, which could rightfully be what Jesus means here. That the people listening will not experience or suffer death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. But is that what he means? If not, what would it mean to really taste to death? Would it mean getting just a sense of death? Like tasting something cooking on a stove? Possibly Jesus could be talking about physical death, but it could also be a metaphor for something else. And there could be multiple meanings for tasting death. Confused as I am yet? Well, let's try to get out of this state of confusion. To get there, though, we'll need a road trip. So let's back up to last week's passage, where Jesus asked the disciples the all-important question, who do you say that I am? And upon Peter's perfect answer of, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus celebrates his answer while giving him the new name of Peter, meaning the rock. His profession of faith is rock solid, and Jesus tells him that on this rock he will build his indestructible church. It is a pivotal moment in the life of Peter. It is in this moment that he is no longer Simon the fisherman. Now he is Peter, the disciple of Christ, the rock. He has arrived at a new identity as he professes his faith in Christ as the Messiah. He has left everything behind and now walks with Christ into a new future. Jesus has just responded to Jesus. Peter's declaration of faith in him as the Messiah, speaking about his church, one that even hell itself will not destroy. But now he begins to tell them that they are not to tell anyone else that he is the Messiah, that he will willingly go into Jerusalem, the center of their faith, where they worship God, and allow himself to be handed over to the leaders to be tortured and executed. Oh, and... If that's not enough, in three days he will rise from the dead. And there is where Peter gets confused. He's gotten a lot of grief for this over the years, but I totally understand his confusion. Wait, wait, you just said that I'm right. You're the Messiah and that you are building a church that will stand forever. And now you're saying that my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, instead of knowing that you're the Messiah, because I can't tell them, will not only try to kill you, but they will succeed? If you are the one true God, the living God, the Messiah, how can anything stand against you? You are my everything in this life, Lord. How could I stand by and let anything like this happen to you. Uh Uh-uh, Lord, no. This cannot happen. I'm not going to let it. But Jesus tries to help him understand. Jesus knows he loves him and is trying to be encouraging and protective. But Peter doesn't have the capacity to understand at this point the reason and necessity for all these things to happen. Peter can't see beyond the suffering to see the power of his sacrifice. Can't see beyond the death to see the new life. Can't begin to understand the implications of the resurrection. It's really not easy for any of us to understand if we're honest. So I certainly can't blame Peter for being confused. Jesus begins to try to explain the life of being one of his disciples. That it's not a road of comfort and sunshine. If you want to follow me, if you believe that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, then you must know it won't be an easy road. There will be pain and suffering. There will be things you are called to do, which will be so hard that without me, you won't be able to do them. But the very first thing you are called to do is, in fact, the hardest one of all. Deny yourselves. One of my favorite verses is from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. It's such a bright and happy verse, and it's usually seen with the image of a butterfly bursting out of a cocoon. Yet if you really get the point of what it's saying, it's very much like what Jesus says in our passage today when he says, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. There's an element of death here, dying to receive new life, letting go of what was in order to receive what will be. You see, a true disciple of Christ takes up a life of self-sacrifice, of allowing the Holy Spirit to enter into their souls, their very being, and allow things to die. Denying ourselves and getting rid of those attitudes, those habits and sins that have kept us too long from becoming the people God created us to be. In essence, we are letting go of our old life, letting it die, and allowing the Spirit to raise us to a new life. Kind of like a butterfly bursting out of a cocoon. That butterfly was once a caterpillar. That caterpillar is now in essence dead. And no butterfly could exist without that caterpillar consenting to die first. If we look at Simon, now Peter. The life of Simon was the caterpillar who died to become Peter, the butterfly. But none of that is easy. To get this new life, we have to taste death so we can embrace the new life we are given as children of God. For the Christian, tasting death is the moment we see our need for a Savior. See the impact sin has had in our lives and come to the realization that we can't get away from sin, can't eliminate all those bad attitudes, those ways of living, those sinful urges and acts on our own. As we read in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our faith, our profession of Christ as our Savior, like Peter so long ago, gives us life. But as we receive that new life, death is also occurring within us. Death to those sins and behaviors, those attitudes and beliefs that have to die in order for that new life to take root. Jesus uses so many metaphors about dying in order to have new life. He uses a seed that has to die in order to bring forth new and abundant life. He uses a vine that needs to be pruned and old branches die in order for the whole vine to bring forth new life. We symbolize this in our baptism as we go under the water, dying to our old self, and rise up from the water, rising to new life. Eternal life in Christ. Kind of like being that caterpillar in a water cocoon and rising to be a beautiful butterfly in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Someone once said that as people of faith, in the midst of death, we are in life. And that is so true, especially now. Death is all around us, everywhere we look. There is physical death, From COVID-19 all around the world, we have natural disasters, hurricanes and fires, tornadoes and earthquakes that are literally taking lives as they go. All this death can hit so close to home. It seems like we can literally taste it. But death can come in other ways than physical, like the death of our way of living before COVID-19 changed everything the death of our ministries and missions we had before as we struggle to figure out the needs of our communities and how to serve them in the midst of this pandemic. We've witnessed the death of the way we worship as we knew it only a few months ago, the death of our fellowship and of our ability to hug and touch each other, to console one another in times of grief. Sometimes we call it change, but in essence Things die, and new things come to life. That is actually the definition of change. In order to see what needs to die in our lives so we can have life, we will need to taste death. And tasting death in this pandemic world means facing our fears and inadequacies, Facing our need for human touch and interaction. Facing the fact that we've allowed our traditions and habits to prevent us from fully hearing our call to discipleship. From being complacent and deaf to the cries of justice and mercy in our community. Facing our dependence on one another. Letting die our belief that we don't need anyone or anything else. Facing our obsession with our way of living before the pandemic. Facing the importance of our relationships and especially our families and how we have let little things come between us. Facing our own prejudices and biases that have kept us from seeing others as fully worthy of dignity and respect and ultimately... We've had to face the possibility of our own death, our own frailness. This pandemic has had a lot to teach us about what needs to die in our lives, in our hearts, and in our world. As Christians, we believe that the kingdom of God is here now and not yet. When we put our faith in Christ, we become part of the kingdom of God, Christ's church in the world. And that kingdom grows as each new believer comes to faith in Christ. Yet that kingdom won't be fully realized until Christ comes again, which we call the second coming. Just as Jesus himself had to die in order to bring new life to the world, we, as his followers, have to die to our past in order to receive the promise of new life. In the kingdom of God, just like a caterpillar entering a cocoon to become a butterfly, death has to happen in order to bring new life. And I often wonder if that caterpillar fully understands what entering the cocoon will ultimately mean for them, that they will, in essence, die to become that butterfly. Is this what it means to taste death, to know that something has to die before we can live. Is this what it means? I think it is. And Jesus is telling us that when we put our faith in him, death has no power over us. We may get a taste of death, but death will never have the last word. So ask yourself this question. Are you living that new life now? Or are there still things that need to die in your life? What is holding you back from that new life, that eternal life Christ is calling you to live? Christ literally died in order to give us the chance for new life. As we profess our faith in Christ, we allow the Holy Spirit to put to death our self-serving attitudes and bring to life inside us the compassion that leads us to serve those in need. We'll see new life in the kingdom springing forth as people put aside their self-centered way of living and put others first. As families and people of different cultures come together and reconcile. As we begin to see each other through the eyes of Christ, all worthy of grace and life. Through Christ, we can put to death our fears and anxieties and embrace a life of trust and hope. As followers of Christ, we are called to deny ourselves, to take a look at our lives, our attitudes and beliefs, and see what needs to die. So study the word. Go deep. Listen to God. Let the Spirit put to death all that is keeping us from the new life Jesus calls us to live. As followers of Christ, we have life, even in the midst of death. See, the death of Jesus seemed like bad news to Peter. But we know it was really the good news. Jesus tells us we cannot have new life without tasting death. But the good news is that it is only a taste. In Christ, we will never die. Like a taste, take a taste of death. Things are dying all around us, and it is hard to watch. It challenges us in many ways. Letting things die within us is hard too. But God promises that out of death comes new life, and all we need to have is faith. Embrace life. Through faith, deny yourself, and all those things we once held dear. Pick up your cross. By faith, we live in the kingdom of God, and in the midst of death, we see the promise of life. God is making all things new, and we walk this road together. Like butterflies breaking free from the cocoon, We can fly into new life through faith in Christ. Have faith. Walk boldly into the kingdom. Put to death all that has been before. And fly with Christ. Amen.